Discussing the news that matters. Light Breakfast, front page. And today we have with us veteran journalist Pakarin Krishnan to discuss the biggest and latest news pieces that affect us here in Malaysia. Now let's get to our first article. Um, in your opinion, with the Sri Pataling cluster now over, how safe are we now that the pandemic is relatively under control? Oh, that's a key word, relatively under control. You're right. We all are happy. For example, three days running, we have not had any local cases, zero. We have had a few important ones, I think. And, and I think there have also not been uh, many or hardly any cases involving foreign workers. But these are our danger zones, right? Mm. Foreign workers and imports. So we are on the right track. But then again, I don't think we should celebrate. We should jump, you know, and say we should be gung-ho about it. Let's go. We are, we are on, you know, we're back to normal because we have seen enough damage done with such attitudes abroad. Many countries are struggling because of this uh, attitude. Uh, we have India, Brazil, uh, even some Asian countries that had second waves, which were very unfortunate. Um, so I think until a vaccine is found and tested successfully, we should all just follow the SOPs. I mean, I'm with the government on this. We have to be strict. But there has to be uh, more monitoring, I think serious monitoring of uh, imports and foreign workers. Mm. So it's not over yet. We are not out of the woods yet. Bear, we must bear that in mind. Yeah, don't throw away the mask yet. That's right. But, but then I, I don't know what you guys notice. I notice that many of them are not wearing their mask. Yeah. Now. But is that okay? I mean... I'm guilty of it because when I go to certain places, I take a mask and I see 90% of them not wearing a mask. Then I, I, I show me the, you know, the odd one out. So I put it in my pocket and just walk around. Uh, many of them are doing this, but I don't know whether it's right because the government itself has said it is optional. Yes. Right. You guys wear it? When you're, I, I right? wear it. I wear it because uh, I just want to protect myself. Correct. Yeah. And I'm paranoid. So <laughs> I, I would like to wear it all the time anyway. <laughs> right. And we're keeping a safe distance even in the studio. <laughs> One meter, man. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I think we all should be on our guard. Yeah. All right. This next article, uh, Barisan National Secretary General Tan Sri Anwar Musa actually said that state governments under Pakatan Harapan reserve the right to not dissolve their assemblies even though the federal government is dissolved for a snap election. Well, our understanding is that a state assembly will have to be dissolved when a new government takes over. But why is this not the case? Uh, I think it's not the case legally. Now, we have our federal and state constitutions, which are, are pretty clear on this. It does not mean that there's any change in government other than by voting. We we're talking of backdoor and uh, changing numbers. and you know, So this requires no change. This State constitution clearly states that I mean any election or a snap election has to be called with the advice of the chief minister or the Mantri Bursar to the governor or the sultans. So that is very clear. Okay. It is it is the same with federal government. I mean the federal government had not experienced this. We are doing it for the first time. I think we'll talk about it later. But uh, we have had a few precedents on this, like the Parak government in 2008. Uh, it fell to the opposition. Then, which was Pakatan Rakyat, consisting uh, of DAP, PAS and PKR, which won by a one-seat majority, and then you had the usual frogs jumping, and, and the government fell, and, you know, the huge hue and cry, but they, they did not call for a re-election, because the, the government that took over by default was sworn in, mm -hmm. and uh, 
the uh, Menteri Besar decided that you don't need a re-election. So uh, I think as long as you're in a comfortable position, for example, now, if there's a snap election at federal level, Penang is pretty stable with a two-third majority by the ruling party, similar in slang also. Why should they call for a re-election? It's because the federal government wants a re-election. They've got a respective state constitution. If you remember Sarawak, Sarawak does not have simultaneous elections with the federal level. They're always mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. And it's actually due next year, I think, if I'm mistaken. So mm-hmm. it, it's, that's, that's the law. Mm-hmm. So And I think it's, it's right of the current opposition, uh, current federal opposition governments like sorry, Penang and Slango. I mean, why should they want to also call for snap elections and put pressure on themselves in the state? They can, you know, uh, consolidate their strength and support the federal government in the snap election forgetting about the state, except for the parliament seats. Yeah. All right, water woes again in the Klang Valley, 290 areas across five regions. Petaling, Klang, Gombak, Kuala Langa and Kuala Lumpur uh, will have water disruption for four days from July 14. And uh, I'm just thinking, why does the Klang Valley constantly need upgrades to its systems, which results in water cuts, whereas... States like Para, they don't even seem to experience water cuts. Is it just a case of bad water management on our part? Okay, uh, you're right. It's happening one too many times. I don't want to blame, actually. If you go back to history, we have to blame it on the previous governments as well. Uh, that included the Barisan government when they ruled Selangor and also Pakatan when it took over 12 years ago. You see, first of all, the, the usage, one quarter of the Malaysian population that uses water happens to be in, in the Klang Valley, mm. uh, which means that's about, what, we have 32 million, one quarter will be like 8 million, 8.3 million. So uh, you have a water pipe network of 6,000 kilometer long in Selangor. And these were all installed probably, what, decades ago, and, and they used asbestos. And, and so, a lot of it is because of burst pipes, pipe leakages, because of the pressure of, of the usage. Uh, the number is increasing. Uh, they managed to replace, I think, about 422 kilometers or something like that in 2017. But, but there has not been any systemic plan from those days to realize that this could happen because of the uh, consumption rate and also the age of the pipes. You also had this pollution the frequent pollution of uh, treatment plants mm. where you have illegal factories, illegal waste dumping, uh, you have uh, diesel spills, you know, all this sort of thing also happens. And there was also an element of sabotage then. There was a political sabotage and that's what happened. So, because the other factors like burst pipes by third parties like Tanaga, and, you know, uh, those who repair road works, companies, mm. LRT construction, MRT construction. So, all this has contributed to the uh, really frequent water disruptions. And I think they have to have a serious plan to stop this once and for all. It's becoming a, a nuisance, actually. Yeah, because for this, it's a long time. I, I know Malaysians hate it when we uh, compare to places like Singapore, but they have no uh, natural water sources. In fact, they, some, some of the times they, they buy water from us, yet they have no issues with water supply to their people, yeah. basically. But you must understand, they also have a very small network of water pipes. Mm. So it's easier to maintain. Uh, but give it to them. I mean, I mean, the technocrats are better in terms of forward planning, uh, expecting this kind of things to happen. I mean, it's quite natural. The, the pipes will, will not last forever. Yeah. So where, where was the planning 40 years ago? Mm. No one was doing it. 
So they should address it. All right, let's move to our next article. Uh, Pakatan Harapan leaders had criticized uh, Prime Minister Muhyiddin's bid to remove Muhammad Arif and his deputy Ngako Ming from chairing Dewan Rakyat sittings. And they have also said that uh, removing a speaker was unprecedented as the post was normally vacated after a general election. So constitutionally, is the appointment or nomination of Ad Harun and Azalina legal? And why this sudden appointment? You say it's unprecedented. Yes, it is. But we are also in an unprecedented situation where the change of government happened. Mm. Previously, we had 13 elections. And after every election, Barisan won. And they kept on appointing uh, their nominee. But when this happened, this change was unprecedented. A government maneuvered and came in through the other way. So the Pakatan Harapan government had nominated the current speaker in 2018. Uh, although he was a former judge and he's said to be independent, and I must give it to him, he was a very good speaker, intelligent, smart, and very much in control of, of all uh, happenings in parliament. But he was a political nominee. He's a member of Amana, mm. which is a coalition of Pakatan Harapan. So legally, only a parliament can change a speaker. And uh, when can he change a speaker? There are several uh, reasons why they can do it. When the House meets after a general election for the first time, and then when the Speaker ceases to be a member of the House, or when it's disqualified under some constitutional clause, or, or if the House resolves at any time to change the Speaker, or when he becomes in- incapacitated, uh, whether by death or, or other, other ways. But right now, I think the fourth clause is the one where the House is going to resolve that he has to be changed. So, the motion will have to be put to vote and see who has the majority. And uh, if he wins, then he remains. But I think going by convention, like uh, a state assembly uh, in Perak, I go back to the uh, 2008 election where the government fell after a year or what and the speaker had to be changed, but the speaker refused to leave. He wanted to continue with the proceedings, but he was dragged out by the security uh, people in, in the state assembly. Wow. So we do. are we going to have the situation now? But this is a very decent speaker we have. He's not going to hang on stubbornly there, knowing that people are watching. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure he might want to give in to what the Prime Minister or the Parikata National wants. They can't be having parliament with a speaker from the opposition taking charge. You know what I mean? Although it would be an ideal situation for Malaysians, yeah. having different sides. So I think it's le- legally a precedent as well. So it's going to be a legal precedent. Let's get to our final news article. Now, the Perikata National Government, led by Prime Minister Tan Sri Muhyiddin, may call for snap polls as early as this year or 2021. Um, this is what Datuk Sri Muhammad Azmin Ali said, right? Now, in your opinion, Paki, is now a good time for the Perikata National Government to call for a snap poll? Personally, I have some opinions, but generally, the, the opinion tends to vary. Uh, okay, let's talk about the political parties. I think Amno and PAS want it badly for obvious reasons. I think they suddenly feel they're super powerful and they, they can have the majority in any snap election. Bersatu is a bit reluctant because they are having issues internally and also against the component parties in Perikatan. Pakatan Harapan definitely does not want it because their drive now is to get back our mandate. And I think they'll be in trouble if the snap election is held because of the other side, which has gone, uh, which has got together very well. So all these parties and leaders have the selfish reasons and do, they do not care about 
us, you and me, Bell JD, who has that one important vote to give them to stay in power. It's all about power and positions. While we say this, there are several uh, economists who are not politically uh, aligned who says calling for a snap election is not a good idea because they feel that it is the last thing that Malaysia needs right now because we just went through a tough one two years ago and then it was quite bruising as well. If you remember, because of the regime change, uh, when people traded their mandate. I think right now it's crucial for policymakers to remain focused on efforts to get the economy back on track. I think we know what's happening. We have a million people who lost their jobs and more expected to lose. Wages are being cut. So in light of this political mess we are in, calling for a snap election cannot be a viable option in my opinion. But there's some feel that there's this uncertain political situation and although it was brought about unreasonably by the current Qatar national, let's decide once and for all who has the right to be in power. Uh, because you must understand, we need investors. Investors look at political stability as one of the key factors. Otherwise, you just pull out. I mean, why, why do they want to spend their time mm -hmm. here worrying about us when they need to make the money? We need to survive. So if you call a snap election, it's going to take a couple of months or maybe two or three. And then because of the COVID, you need to have new SOPs. So, so it's going to be a huge planning process. It's going to strain everyone, the people, the government, the businessmen. So I think uh, we should not have a snap election for the moment. We should go on with this and the leaders should sit down and, and can't go to the ground and see what's happening actually for, for now. I know people are saying that the rightful mandate was taken away unfairly. Yes, but let's get out of this COVID situation and then we really plan for a snap election.